Undog Notebook Podcast, a podcast featuring the stories, trips afield, and legacies that are left following great gun dogs and classy bird dogs. I'd like to thank my sponsor, the Pride Dog Food, for their excellence in performance dog nutrition and Orvis for allowing me the written platform for my outdoor writing. I'd also like to thank the other friends and contributors that make this gun dog community such a great thing. Thanks for listening. This is the next episode of the Gun Dog Notebook, hosted by Darrell Smith. Okay, guys, welcome back to the Gun Dog Notebook podcast. This one is an awesome episode because um, I'm on the phone with Mr. Wade Kisner, who I used to watch a lot of his uh, YouTube, actually all of his YouTube videos. Let me be clear. All of his YouTube videos on Sweet Point Center Tales. And uh, I've always wanted to talk to you, uh, Mr. Kisner. I'm going to call you Wade from this point forward. So how are you, sir? Yes. <laughs> I'm doing very well. Very well. We're uh, having a little cold weather up here in Iowa, but... Uh nothing that we're not used to right 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 well we uh George, like we were saying before georgia decided it wanted to actually act like it was cold so we'll see how long that lasts <laughs> so look i, wish I had that weather here look i uh, it's a blessing and a curse at times i'm not gonna lie it is <laughs> so let's let's start because I already know this is going to be one of those really good episodes, very um, insightful. We had a great conversation uh, yesterday. Let's start with the legendary Sweet Lou. Let's start there because I think the story, um, the backstory behind that dog is so special. So let's start there and and kind of go into how everything unfolded. Okay. Um, well, I mean, uh, back in 2008, I, you know, I grew up hunting and I've got, you know, I was always a quail hunter growing up and I had a granddad and a father that, a dad that were hunters. And so, you know, I was from early, late, early age, I was, uh, uh, exposed to hunting and hunting with some dogs. I'm looking back, I don't know if they were the greatest dogs, but they were <laughs> dogs and I thought they were pretty special at the time, but. But, you know, with a job and, and raising three boys, uh, there's a period in your life where you just don't have the time to, uh, to do a lot of hunting. And mm-hmm. uh, as I mentioned to you yesterday, um, you know, I was with the homicide unit for 32 years in the state of Iowa. And so that job uh, required me to get called out a lot. And so you just never knew what your schedule was going to be. And so to really uh, have a dog and train a dog and do the things and the, put the time in that you need to. It just wasn't in the cards at that time. And, mm-hmm. um, I had a lab and she was more of a family dog, not that she wouldn't uh, make a good effort in most days and she could retrieve a bird if you knocked it down. And so, um, you know, that was kind of my hunting companion when I got to go and that wasn't very often, but mm-hmm. in 2008, um, a friend of mine, um, showed up unannounced in the driveway uh, during the summer and uh, um, he said he had something in the truck he wanted to, me to see. And, and so I walked out there, and he opened the back of his uh, SUV, and he had these two uh, English setter puppies in there that are probably about 10 weeks old. Mm-hmm. One of them was a male, black and white, and the other one was a brown and white female. And he said, the female I'm keeping, but he said, I just don't know, I don't know what to do with this uh, male dog. And I said, well, I'm... You know, I, I don't know anybody that's looking for a dog, but I'll ask around. And he said, well, I was thinking maybe you, would, you know, you would take him. And, of course, I had a dog at the time. I wasn't looking for a puppy. I was still working. And so the puppy was really the last thing I needed. And, mm-hmm. and so every part of me told me to say no. And <laughs> and, uh, um, and then the other part of me said to say yes, because mm-hmm. he, uh, he was a cute-looking guy. And I thought, man, what could this dog maybe be? But... Um, because of the situation, he was the last one in the litter. Nobody wanted him. Uh, this particular gentleman couldn't keep him because he had all females in his kennel. And, and you know, there, there was a possibility that they were going to have to euth- euthanize him. And 
Um, you know, and I don't know if that would have ever happened, but, but certainly, um, I wasn't about to let that happen. And so right. next thing I know, he's headed up the road and I'm standing in my driveway with this, uh, 10 week old puppy about the time my wife comes to the door and, and has that look on her face. What have you done? <laughs> and so, uh, so yeah. the story goes now looking back the story has always been that, uh, Lou found me. I didn't find him. Right. And, uh, so, uh. But uh, so after I got him and, and started kind of working with him a little bit, and, and at that period of time, uh, to be honest, I didn't know anything about training dogs. Mm-hmm. And uh, probably what I did know was wrong. And so I started doing some research. I started talking to some people that uh, uh, knew how to train dogs. And um, um, I saw early on that he had some talent. He had some abilities that I'd never seen before. Right. And so I started putting the time in and I felt like, you know, it's my responsibility to get this dog to a level where he can go. Right. And if I don't do it, then I might be, um, you know, shortchanging him. And so I started doing my work on my end. Um, he obviously kept uh, responding to the training and, um, you know, he became uh, really a great dog. And today is still a great dog, even though he's just about to turn 11. Wow. Um, Five years after I had him, um, he became the first English setter in Iowa to ever get an AKC Master Hunt title. Which is crazy. And, uh, now, yeah, with that that so, process, you know, so the, that funny, the, the backstory that you're talking about, uh, Darrell, is that here's this throwaway dog nobody wanted, and uh, you know, five years later, he's kind of at the pinnacle of his profession. You know, he's uh, got this uh, master title and. And that kind of became kind of the legend of Blue out there, the people that knew him and hunted with me and, and saw him at the uh, the gun club where we guided and some of the events that we were participating in. And it's kind of grown from there. Right. And so, uh, so Lou kind of has, if it wasn't for him, I certainly wouldn't be doing the things that we're doing now with the show and, and, uh, and wouldn't, you know, wouldn't have met the people that we've met along the way. So he certainly is that is the reason that we're we're doing what we're doing now. Right, right. And I, so when you were saying earlier that there were some things that kind of stood out to you, you made that was like, man, this dog is going to be special. As a puppy, like what were some of those things that, that really stood out? Well, I mean, he just had an intensity. I mean, he seemed like he was uh, really uh, um, into birds. I remember, uh, you know, one of the things, you know, uh, at the time, one of the things I thought was, uh, you know, I, I'd always heard, well, you get a bird wing and you put it out there on a kind of a fishing rod and you hold it out there and you mm-hmm. see what the dog's going to do. And, uh, you know, quite frankly, you know, when somebody gives you a dog for free, you know, you're not, your expectations aren't really very high. But, right. But this guy immediately would respond to uh, a wing. And, you know, obviously he was sight pointing, but he would lock up and he would just stay in that in that uh, position for for minutes on end I, I can remember saying i remember my son coming over one day and he said and i showed him what he was doing and he said oh my gosh he said how long will he do that how long will he hold that to the point and i said well you know after a while my arm gets kind of tired i have to lay that stupid fishing rod down um, but uh, yeah but uh, uh you know so there were some things like that and then as we kind of moved into the yard training and some other things, it was pretty apparent to me that he was uh, he was going to be something special. Um, his first season, you know, he just carried himself uh, pretty well in the field, and and uh, you know, it was shortly after that first year that uh, we started guiding with him. And then, of course, the more birds he got on, the more the more uh, uh, the better he got. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, yeah, it, it was pretty apparent from the very beginning that he had some skills. Now. I didn't know much about bird dogs at the time, and I yeah. thought, wow, you know, maybe this is just kind of a, you know, just, just one of those rare instances I got lucky with this guy. You know, he's got some talent. Yeah. And then I started doing some checking into his pedigree, and I found out that several generations back, he was out at Tacoma Mountain Sunrise, huh. a line of dogs, and he had about three Hall of Fame dogs in his, in his lineage. And so, you know, there was obviously the DNA was there um, and, and in there for him to have some ability and, and some skill. And so I just wasn't a fluke, but right. But, uh, yeah. He's, uh, he's turned out to be a really good one for us. And, and that's really, really interesting. And I'm, 
I share a very common story where I I started three some years ago, and my dog now I didn't know anything about him, and he doesn't have you know any kind of field trial lines behind him. But it's it's definitely those particularly special dogs um, that'll just work for you, right? And it seems like you know out of the show, out of all the dogs that you have and things like that, Lou just still stands out to me as a rock star, and especially coming from a situation where you were working as a uh, homicide investigator. Do you think that that was probably one of the things that kind of took your mind away from it? Like, what what do you what do you think that did for you? Well, I think so. I mean, you know, looking back, I think that probably, you know, certainly that gave me uh, um, an outside kind of a, uh, a passion, if you will, and to mm-hmm. kind of, like you said, compartmentalize, compartmentalize that other stuff that I had seen and was doing. And so, yeah, you know, there might have been a, a certain degree of that. And so, uh, uh, but there's nothing like getting a talented dog for you to say, I got to ramp up my game. Right. You know? Because uh, I don't want to be the dude that drops the, the ball here, and this guy could, you know, this like this dog, he becomes a master hunt, uh, you know, title dog. And mm-hmm. if I hadn't uh, put in the time and the work and to learn what it would take to get that dog to that level, you know, that's certainly something he would, he may never have achieved. And so, um, and that's what I tell uh, people today when I'm talking to them about about Lou. Yeah, he was a special dog, but still, there was a lot of time and a lot of work went into you know, taking that raw talent and as you would, you may, I think you mentioned to me yesterday, you were on a track team, you ran mm-hmm. track. Yes, yeah, sir. There's a lot of raw talent, but somebody has to take that and say, here's how we make that talent into, uh, you know, make you efficient at it and make you the best athlete that you can be. And so Absolutely. But I had a lot of help, you know, I had, it wasn't just me. I had a lot of, uh, you know, there were guides down at the gun club that had trained dogs for many, many years. And so I always had somebody to, mentor me a little bit if I hit a problem or if I was having a, you know, a, an issue and said, how do we get past this? What should I do here? So right. it's always good to, uh, to have somebody that you can kind of bounce things off of. And I don't care how many dogs you've trained, there's always something that comes up that maybe you haven't seen before, right. maybe with an individual dog, but, uh, but you're right. Uh, yeah, he's, uh, he's been, I mean, he changed my life. I mean, I just can't, I can't tell you what it was, what it's been in the last 11 years because his focus and him being here and all the things that occur uh, here in my household are kind of now hunt related, mm-hmm. show related, and that's all, all because of him. It really is. And I, I just think that's such a powerful thing. Um, well, and just to, to highlight one more aspect that we were talking about yesterday that I thought was hilarious, but it's also very true. You never really stop hunting as a career. <laughs> you were saying that you were hunting. You you were saying that you were hunting criminals before. Now you're hunting birds. So and then yes. you come yeah, from I a long that. line of hunters. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. I've hunted for many many years. I have a lot of hunting, but but yeah, that was kind of the kind of the joke at the you know with the guys I hunted with. They said, "Well, what are you going to do when you retire?" And I said, "Well, I'm just going to hunt something different." Right. You know. Um, you know, for 32 years, I hunted, you know, some of Iowa's worst criminals, and, you know, now I hunt for fun, and that was kind of the, that's kind of one of the things that people talk about a little bit, and we joke about, but, uh, but yeah, so it's, uh, uh, it's, it's been a good transition, you know, mm-hmm. it's, uh, my law enforcement career was, was a great one, it was interesting, it had its days, it was uh, satisfying most of the time. Obviously, it had its frustrations, but right. uh, but I can't say that it wasn't a great career. But you know, I'm I, I'm glad I'm one of the guys that can say, you know, that's finished, and now I've got something else that my, I have the passion for, and I want to take this up, right? And and take this to whatever level that I can get it to, you know. And so so that's what we're working on the uh, the videos and the and the show uh, with Kinetic Dog Food. Mm-hmm. And just trying to build uh, build on that uh, each each year, as you know. Last weekend we were uh, over by Omaha, Nebraska, at a at a uh, trade show and mm-hmm. uh, outdoor show. And you know, we take the dogs, and the dogs are always a big uh, a big uh, draw for people to come in and want to talk to you about their dogs, maybe issues that you're having with their dogs, whether it's training or or, or feeding. But uh, right. But yeah, it's uh, it's still hunting. It's just uh, uh, a little 
uh, a little different kinds of hunting. I think, I, you know, when guiding clients who are carrying guns, you know, we don't carry a gun. We're just, our job is to handle the dogs and stay out of the way if we can. Right. And, uh, but I've often joked to somebody said, well, what's the difference between what you can do now than what you did for 32 <laughs> years? And I said, well, I still worry about people shooting me, but they're just a nicer caliber people. <laughs> right. <laughs> this yeah. time, this time they don't mean yeah. to shoot you. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so we have fun with it. And, you know, I think that's, that's what you have to do. I always, uh, you know, we always, uh, it was always very hard sometimes to find humor in, in, uh, what we did for, for a living. But, uh, you know, you would always try to, uh, get through it the best you can. But, uh, right. yeah, so now we're, you know, I have four of these, uh, setters now. And so now I'm trying to, um, determine where we're going to go and if I can get the next, uh, master hunt title dog or not. But, uh, okay. it's, it takes a lot of time. And uh, you have to travel to uh, to the testing sites, which uh, we don't have any uh, any more that are really close by. We used to, right? Uh, but unfortunately, some of those testing places have kind of fallen off, and now you know we have to travel to Illinois or uh, clear to Southern Iowa mm-hmm. and, uh, to uh, facilitate the test, and so that makes it a little more difficult. Right now, this was a, a sidebar thought that that kind of just popped in my head. Do you think? And I want to get into your history as a guide and how that transitioned as well. But do you think that for a guide to have a hunting dog, do you think it's important for them, for for a guide to have a properly tested dog, you know, just to have something on paper or does that matter to you? No, I don't think it's, I don't think it, you know, it kind of depends on the individual and what you want it for. I mean, there are a lot of guys that test their dogs and they do it kind of as a, um, kind of as a bar for themselves to say, okay, you know, this kind of keeps me in the game as far as I want to get to the next level mm-hmm. and continue to train my dog. And this gives me a goal. They have no interest in, in breeding their dog or, right. or competing their dog, but it's just kind of a personal kind of a, a motivation to keep them uh, busy in the off season uh, and, and to keep training that dog. You know, for us, it's, yeah, we, we have litters now and then we're not in a kind of a, in a, you know, a breeding business, so having puppies all the time, you know, we have a litter every year or so. And, uh, so it's not so much about that, but, um, you know, for us, I think it is also a little bit of that, um, uh, ability. It gives us a kind of a gauge on, on the dogs, uh, uh, training, you know, what kind of training ability they have. And, and as they go through that kind of series of things, it kind of relates and it'll, it'll kind of go back to the field stuff that we do, but, Right. You know, I'm, and I may not get titles on any of the other three dogs. I don't know. You know, I probably, maybe I will. Um, you know, if my son is interested in doing it, I may let him, uh, you know, do it. But, you know, it takes some, some young legs, and my legs aren't that young anymore. So. <laughs> <laughs> Look, why, well, as, much, as much work as, as you put in. Goes, I think uh, I don't think it's that big a deal for okay. most people, you know, that I, you know, I don't know that I have. I hunt with any guys that have title dogs with the exception of maybe three or four, but okay. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, it was something that I thought, um, about, and a lot of the times I struggle with the idea of, do I want to like with this new English pointer I'm getting? And even with my lab now, I kind of struggle with the idea of, okay, do I really, really want to put my dog into these trials? Because, you know, at the end of the day for me, I care the most about getting my dog out there and seeing him hunt, doing what comes natural to him. Um, sure. And and that was kind of, that was honestly probably a question coming from me personally. <laughs> I was like, do I really want to do that? Um, so, you, you know, know, just, you know, it's kind of, you, you know, especially if you get in some of the introductory ones, I mean, you do meet some interesting people mm-hmm. and you meet people that have trained a lot of dogs. And for somebody like yourself, I can see uh, the benefit of, um, you know the learning, you know the drawing off of the other people's experience because that can be that can be pretty valuable. Right. And whether your dog, you ever take that dog to a you know a national championship or a master hunt title, or whatever, uh, those people that you meet along the way can really help you out a lot in that okay. general training. And so from that standpoint, you know it it, it would be worthwhile to do perhaps, and mm-hmm. then also worthwhile to keep you active with the dog in, in you know, the off season. That's, that's kind of a challenge sometimes right. is to, 
do something with your dog in those months when the season's not going on to keep not only the dog in condition but ourselves in condition. And so, right. from that standpoint, you know, it would probably have some value to you. Yeah. But uh, as long as you don't become one of those ultra competitive guys that you know. Oh my gosh! Yeah. My dog's not not on top, and and you now the dog's not not worthy, kind of a thing. But right. Um, so. And and yeah, I'm definitely not gonna get there for me. It all it always has to remain fun, um, and even in the aspect of of fun, and I see that a lot with your show. Um, for example, my one of my favorite parts of the show is the beginning of the show, the whistle. <laughs> that is still the most. When I tell you, it's 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 the simplest thing in the world. But that little whistle, I catch myself. Every time I listen to it, just I get to, to, to doing the same little whistle, that same little rhythm, same little pattern. So, and again, I want to get from the guiding and all of that, but let's talk about the show. You were, where did the whistle come from? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I think I have to credit my son for that, honestly. Um, mm-hmm. um, you know, he kind of came up with it when we, you know, when we, when we decided, when we hatched this idea that we were going to do a show, um, you know, uh, you know, there was there was more than a thousand reasons probably why you know not to do it, but yeah. um, you know, because uh, it's just you know how do you how do you launch a show? And as you know, it's you know, when you start at the at the uh, it's, it's it's a grind, you right. know. But uh, but anyway, so what we did was we shot uh, kind of a teaser and a first. If I'm coming to you and I'm saying, hey, I'd really like you to help me sponsor this show, and you're going to say, well, let me watch your show and see what it's like. And, right. And so you have to have something. You have to have a product to uh, help with that. And so we basically, you know, cut a, cut a first episode. And then um, I'm really blessed because my youngest son is a very talented guy, and he has a film degree. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, I have three sons, and two of them followed me into law enforcement. And, Mm-hmm. He decided to take another path, and he went into uh, into film, and uh, he's kind of made a career out of that. But um, nice. But because of that, I you know the 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 artistic part of producing the show and editing the show that was kind of put into his hands because I I had no clue. Mm-hmm. I knew how to hunt, and I knew how to handle a dog, but I had no clue how to run a camera and how to do those other things that were necessary. And so he kind of came up with that and, and, you know, it was, it was kind of cool. Everybody liked it. And, you know, I did grow up in the uh, era of Andy Griffith. So I guess it kind of, mm-hmm. <laughs> I guess yep. it kind of made sense. Yep. Actually, I, I said something about, you know, I think season two about, well, maybe we'd change that introduction. And, you know, I, I, I was, uh, there was a lot of a lot of uh, responses that don't you dare. So, uh, <laughs> Look, we will we will petition you not to change that. I guess that's going to be a part of the show for for till the end. I guess. I'm, I'm telling you, I will start a petition to make sure that you do not change <laughs> that. <laughs> it's funny because we go to uh, Pheasant Fest, and I don't know if you've ever been to it. But I want to. West uh, uh, Pheasants Forever. Every year they do what they call Pheasant Fest, which is a huge. Uh, hunting trade show basically and mm-hmm. you know all the all the uh, companies that uh, produce any kind of products related to the hunting uh, upland hunting especially are there dog guys and and gun gun companies and there's people putting on seminars and it's uh, it's a whole weekend of of uh, who's who in the, in the hunting industry but mm-hmm. and it moves around the midwest to different cities and for the last oh, I think four or five years four years at least uh, kinetic dog food we always go and we take one of the dogs most of the time Adeline just because she being a tricolor setter seems mm-hmm. to generate a lot of people's interest they want to you know pet her find out more about her and so she's a pretty good draw yeah uh, to get people to come into the booth and talk to us but um, so anyway they play some of our videos during that period of time to that weekend and you know I've had many people say I knew where you were because I heard that whistling theme song <laughs> <laughs> and I just went towards the whistle I heard it over there on that aisle and I knew you were down that way somewhere so uh, right. yeah, it's something that's kind of become one of our identifiers for sure well and I mean that is 
That is my favorite part of it. And I, I knew we were recording today, and so of course well, I'm at I, I'm at I work. You were say your favorite part was me missing birds. <laughs> No. <laughs> Look, I, you make up for yourself by missing birds with the whistle. All you got to do is whistle right afterwards. I promise you it's totally fine. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, as a part of full disclosure, I mean, you know, we do kind of uh, embrace the miss at times. Mm-hmm. At least my sons do, especially if it's me missing. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, we kind of figure, you know, that's a part of, that's that's part a of, part of the experience. Right. Guys miss a bird and kind of, you know. Uh, guys will kind of you know get on their case about it until mm-hmm. they miss one, and you know it's just that that natural kind of banter that goes on, and we we just you know that's a part of the show. Um, right. I'd like to say that it's not always me missing. I do get a bird down then, but right. um, I think that's important to kind of see that side of it, and then uh, to kind of see the humor that we kind of. Mm-hmm. Uh, talk about you know my son always said oh what was wrong it was a sun in your eyes that time dad or what you know right <laughs> well the sun was in my eyes my gun was dirty I didn't clean it that night uh, I was missing some sleep that day <laughs> yeah I guess I actually when we were in Kansas I actually saw him miss a couple and I was kind of like hmm. <laughs> I said I turned to the camera guy and said did you get that on film yes I did good okay look that in that but the next it, episode for sure. Exactly. And but that's so much a part of upland bird hunting and it's it's good to keep it light. You know, it's it's always oh, yeah. great. Yeah. It's yeah. it's very good to keep it light. Yeah, once once it gets too serious it's no fun anymore. Yeah. You know, I mean I think that's uh and for me, uh we talked about this yesterday, Darrell, but for me it's the uh, it was watching the dogs and doing the dog work and mm-hmm. uh, and actually, you know, that's why I tra- transitioned pretty pretty easily to to guiding mm-hmm. uh, and not carrying a gun because my focus as, as a guide is on the dogs and what the dogs are doing and basically you know reading the dogs you know what they're telling me by how their tails moving and the speed and where you know how they you know where their heads are and just the, the stuff that you learn from work you know hunting the same dog for years and years and years like you have sweet lou and mm-hmm. so and because of that i'm able then to verbalize to my clients you know get ready or something's about to happen or you know he's tracking a bird whatever's going on and so uh from that standpoint i've uh, the dogs are are the the key for me and and i uh, and most people in upland you know it's kind of like if you take the dogs out of it then what's the point what's the point right <laughs> you know yeah. So. I, I when I tell you I I can't say I would not hunt if I didn't have a dog. I I don't I don't think I'm there, but I would say I'm about ninety five percent sure that the majority of the hunting that I do is because of my dog, um, who is also oh, sure. about to, to he's about to go check the door because my wife walked in, but <laughs> <laughs> um, but. You know, for me, and, and I know you understand this too, it, I don't need a gun. I've gotten to the point now, and I, I've, I'm not about limits, and I don't know how many limits it is per state and all kinds of stuff like that. I just know when I feel satisfied, and it doesn't take a mound of birds for me to do that. I feel satisfied when I know that my dog and I went out there and we accomplished a goal, and we did it together. Um you know, and, and that's really what matters to me. And I I do so much of this podcast work and I, um, you know, love interviewing, you know, gentlemen like yourself who get that and identify with the same thing. Um, because at the same time, I, I have a, a young child or a child on the way. My wife's pregnant and I don't want to teach my kid that the kill is all is, is what it's about. You know, one day I hope to be walking in the fields with my kid and say, hey, look, look at the dog. Oops, there, there's a bird. All right. Uh, I guess we're going to shoot now. You know, <laughs> so well, that's true. And I mean, that's uh, good that um, yeah, and what we hope to do with the show, a part of the show is to, um, you know, get people interested in what it's like to hunt with gun dogs and mm-hmm. living with a gun dog. And, you know, the dogs in our show as you know, kind of become the main characters and we just kind of get to follow along. Right. And uh, kind of we're, we're there, but, you know, Sweet Lou and Adeline kind of are the headliners. And so when I go to these 
events, it's always, you know, meet this, meet Adeline, the star of the mm-hmm. Three Point Setter Tales, and that's true. Right. Uh, because without her and without uh, Lou, you know, uh, the rest wouldn't really make a lot of sense. And so uh, I'm perfectly happy to give them the uh, the, uh, the uh, lead role in, in what we're doing because it's that's the, that's the important side of it. I want people to see the, you know, what what it's like to uh and the commitment i mean there is a commitment to uh to taking on a a puppy and Mm -hmm. and keeping that puppy and 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 you know it's not all fun and roses and and uh you know uh, the season only lasts so long and what you do the rest of the time uh, uh and that dog becomes for us and i know for you too and a lot of the uh people that we talk to out there the dog's a member of the family oh absolutely uh, so, uh, you yep. know, that's what we want. It. In fact, you know, that's what we like to hear about our puppies is that, you know, the, you know, they're in the house and they're treated like family and they're going places with, when the family goes places. Because setters are kind of that way. They're pretty, yep. uh, they're pretty people dogs and they really need to be where, they want to be where you are most of the time. A lot like lab, your lab probably. Oh, yeah. So, this this this, uh, this clown is, is done checking the door and has now come back to my... Uh, <laughs> Come back and put his head on my uh, my knee. So, <laughs> and, but, you know, the whole thing is about using the show to educate. You know, make make it fun. Make people want to know what the story is. We try mm-hmm. to tell a story mm-hmm. where we are, who we're with. You know, what's significant about this episode, and and sometimes that's the biggest challenge we have. We get a lot of opportunities. Hey, why don't you come over here and hunt here or hunt there? And, Right. You know, and, and Will, my son, who produces the show, we have those conversations. Okay, what what's the storyline? I mean, mm-hmm. how do we weave this into an interesting story that people want to follow to the end? Absolutely. As you know, on a video, you have a, you have eleven to twelve minutes to kind of you know do captivate we... the people and keep them uh, there to the end. And, and if they get bored early on, they'll they'll usually go somewhere else uh, exactly. and that kind of thing. So uh, so the story becomes. Uh, the the main focus and the storyline for us often is um you know the land uh, the conservation uh mm-hmm. the dogs um the people uh, that have um you know something special about their land or the organization that they represent so we always look for yeah there's going to be dog action and hopefully there'll be some some bird action but there'll also be a good story that'll be told Right, that uh, you'll want to stay stay to to the end, and if we can do that, then uh, we're 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 successful. Right. Well, you have definitely got a fan out of me. I've watched every last episode. I'm going to tell you that now. <laughs> <laughs> I, well, we're going to have a few more coming here soon, so you'll have a you'll have a few more to watch here uh, here coming up soon. I hope. And awesome. Uh, you know, we just came back from Ireland, and so mm-hmm. we've got a lot of stuff, as they say, in the industry in the can. And so now our guy that's editing has got a lot of footage to look through, and and uh, I have a lot of stuff to look at because mm-hmm. I try to go through it myself, so I know what's there, and you know try to find some significant you know shot that I'm looking for, and and, uh, and if you don't watch it all, you you may miss something that's right. Uh, that's important. So right. Well, and uh, it's but, it's those details. Now tell me this: as far as your guiding. What what is it like to be you know be the guy that you are? How do you select your dogs that you're going to run? What what is that process like for you? You've had NFL players, you've had the whole gamut. Well, yeah. <laughs> you know, for yeah, it's true. Um, you know, it's kind of one of those things where uh, I mean, I might have somebody. Sometimes you have repeat clients, you know, that ask for you, and so mm-hmm. you've hunted with them a lot. And, you know, most of those people are like, you know, do we get to hunt with Lou today? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I, yeah, well, maybe. <laughs> right. Yeah, but, uh, uh, but as far as the dogs go, you know, we try to, we try to give them all work. And it's kind of like athletes, you know, they all need to get on the field. Now, some may get on more than other, depending on, on, uh, on the situation. But uh, the good news about the young dogs that'll, that are now two and a half major and duchess, you know, they're, t- they're at that level now where, uh, uh, they can be starters now instead of just, you know, B-teamers. And, right. And last year, last fall, um, right as the season ended, uh, Lou got in the fence. You know, I never, I don't think, I've never put any stitches in that guy in all the years. And, 
he's jumped fences and he's been in some early gnarly stuff, but it's just luck of the draw. Right. Um, and then one day he, he, I didn't see it happen, but he must've caught a, a low barb fence or something. And, and, but the, the terror in, in his skin was back on a hip, which is kind of an odd place. Right. You know, usually if you hit a fence, you're, you're going to have, you're going to have something up on the front legs or the chest, but this was back on a hip and it was a, it, it wasn't into the muscle. It just kind of tore the skin open. And so anyway, I, I hmm. cut him down, put him up, got him to the vet, and they, they ended up putting like eight staples in there to get it to heal. And it wasn't a big deal other than they said, ah, you ought to let him, you know, he ought to be kind of out of out of commission for a couple of weeks. Right. Until he lets that heal. Okay. So then I'm thinking, okay, so now, you know, one of my, one of my eight teamers is now on the bench, so who do I got to move up to that? <laughs> right. What are we going to so, do now? And so what happened is during that two weeks, the two young dogs got a lot more time on the ground and uh, specifically Duchess got a lot. She was, I was starting her and Adeline and they were working together and, and, uh, and then, you know, major was coming in as needed when I was kind of resting one of the dogs. But during that two week uh, period, I saw just a tremendous improvement over in those two dogs from where they were and where they where they ended just because they were on lots of birds during that two weeks and and it was actually it turned out to be really a, a good thing that happens for us because now I've got both of them at a level where you know I can put Lou in the truck if I think he's you know had enough for a while and he needs a rest and mm-hmm. and I don't lose uh, near now you're going to lose the experience of an 11 year old dog but still uh, for the most part you don't lose uh um, you still have plenty of experience on the ground to, to deal with clients, but typically what you do and you know, the gun club and I'll give them a plug because they've been very good to us. Oh, for sure. Uh, Highland hideaway hunting is a 1500 acre preserve located now in Riverside, Iowa, which is just South of Iowa city. If your listeners know where that is. Okay. Uh, but it's a really beautiful place. They got the land in different types of CRP and food plots, and they basically have it manicured to kind of to hold birds, basically. And and each field is a little different in the contour and the type of cover, and so it's it's made so if you went there and stayed, you know, several days, you'd hunt in a different field every time. You'd never hunt in the same field twice. Right. And nice. uh, and so so we get to guide there, and so typically what happens is uh, you know I'll I'll show up in the morning. And, and a lot of times I don't know the people, sometimes I do, um, but you basically meet your client and it may be a group of, it may be a, man, a father and a son, it may be a corporate deal. Uh, typically we'll only try to cap the field at, at five guns. Right. And, and then we don't like any more than that, uh, with, at least with one guide out there. Right. Uh, preferably the smaller groups are better just because. You can you can have a little more interaction in the field with them if the groups are smaller and and uh, the dogs aren't quartering near the you know the area that that they do with 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 five guns. But we've done it all, right. and uh, and you know we make it work. But um, but then we we know the fields, and so we're some you know the the, the um, gentleman that owns the preserve will give us an assignment, and we'll we'll take you the client to that field and. And we'll get our dogs ready to go and you ready to go. And uh, basically for a half day or a full day, depending on, on what you've uh, decided to do, we are working for you. And right. our dogs are working for you to get you on birds. Okay. And, uh, you know, we can, you know, typically sometimes it's a three bird limit, but as you know, on the preserve, you can hunt as many and you take as many birds as your checkbook will allow you to. Right. That's what you want to do. Right. <laughs> you know? Right. And back nice. the boss likes that when, you know, somebody says, we're going to keep going. So you want to find that limit quick. You know, that first right. 20 minutes, you want the guy to have his limit and you go, okay, what do we do now? You want to go back to the lodge or you're, there's more birds out here. Right. Uh, so we'll find more birds. But, um, but that's typically what happens. And then we, uh, the NFL guys that we've been uh, fortunate to, uh, to guide, Usually are involved in a, in a, a charity hunt that we do there every year called mm-hmm. Aiming for a Cure, mm-hmm. and uh, it's a pediatric cancer fundraiser event. And uh, Highland has been the host of that event for I don't know 15 years. I think it's wow. been going on, and uh, and that's where a lot of the a lot of the, a lot of the NFL guys that, that formerly uh, played their collegiate ball at Iowa. 
uh, come to support this uh, event and have been for years. And so you get the Joe Hilgenberg and you get, you know, guys that have, have maybe have retired from the NFL, but they've got roots in Iowa and, and uh, you know, they're all about supporting, uh, you know, kids with cancer. And so, mm-hmm. you know, there we can get about 600 hunters involved in that event. It's a huge, huge event and it takes about, 30 guides, 20, 20 to 30 guys, and 65 dogs, and, you know, it's a whole weekend of, of uh, you know, chasing, chasing bird dogs and, and, and shooting birds as a part of that fundraiser, but, um, yeah, so it's it's kind of cool because we get, we've met some really, you know, great guys that are there, and, you know, we get to see them when they're, you know, just out in the field, mm-hmm. and they're just, the ones that we have come in contact with are just super uh human beings and you know and so uh and they're there they come they they put their time in and they donate their uh their uh, uh time and effort to uh promoting this event and raising money for uh for the kids and that's what it's all about and so we've been doing this will be our 11th year that we've guided for that wow that and, is you know it's phenomenal. all day saturday all day sunday drill and you know and every year i'm thinking man i don't know if i have my knees are shot <laughs> like, i don't know this might be it i might be the i might be the bird guy on the four-wheeler next year or yeah i don't know but you know I, but but as i get as it gets closer i always kind of go wow you know that's such a cool event mm-hmm. you know we've been doing it so long and and so you know it's kind of like i forget about the pain and the suffering and right and uh, we'll do it again, but it's a fun event. And my son Travis guides with it with me, and and another guy has been guiding with me for a couple of years with this dog. So it's kind of a family family event. But we've had Jim Kelly, uh, you know, the wow. quarterback, and and uh, we've got some uh, current um, NFL players that played their their ball at Iowa. So it's uh, you get some field of stream riders. You get okay. you know guys that are on some hunting TV shows and some some ladies that are on some of the hunting shows that are on cable news, cable uh, TV. So you get quite a, quite a interesting group of celebrities there. Right. That's crazy. That's, that's really wild though. Now, and, and I want to get to Adeline and stuff like that in a second, but you were talking about, and, and I remember the story. Um, I want to talk a bit about that, that you were, that you mentioned yesterday talking about age and, and getting a little bit older. Well, you told me a story about a gentleman in his 80s that was insulted <laughs> when you tried to make accommodations. So Yeah, you know, you know you, you, you're trying to do the right thing. <laughs> you know, that's a story I told, and I tell you, it's something that stayed with me. In fact, I, told that, I tell that story when I meet with groups just because they emphasize a point about you know, you know, it's not about the gun; it's about the dogs, and mm-hmm. and, uh, and I use it, use this gentleman to emphasize that. And he's uh, he's in his eighties, and I got to know him from some dog trial stuff. He would show up, and he's had several field champion uh, dogs over the years. He's always uh, a good one to ask questions. Uh, you know, how did you train for this? And he's he was always very willing to share any information that he had. And, and I knew uh, he used to have raise uh, some uh, training pigeons, and so I would go over there and I would get pigeons from him uh, mm-hmm. uh, to train with. And this was kind of an interesting story because he had homing pigeons mm-hmm. at the time, and so for fifty cents a piece, he would rent these birds to you. <laughs> wow! And you know, so I'd say, okay, I, I need a, you know I need a half a dozen birds to to train this afternoon, and I'd go over there and he'd have them caught and crated and. And, uh, you know, I'd give him 50 cents a piece for whatever the birds are. And then when I would use them, you know, of course, they would fly home. <laughs> wow. I yeah. used them in my release or my flyaway drills or whatever. And obviously, they weren't birds that we were shooting. Right. Uh, so, uh, so anyway, they would fly home <laughs> after we used them. But that's how I got to know him. And, and so I'd show up and he'd have my birds ready. And then he was always asking me about, well, how, you know, he'd want to see Lou you know, how's he doing? And then, of course, he's one of the first guys I stopped uh, at and showed him that I'd gotten, you know, that he'd passed his title because he was really always interested in, you know, how many more passes does he need? Does he have to have six uh, to get a title on a dog And, and as far as uh, the master title goes? But, right. but anyway, so I, uh, I thought one day I was going to go out and I was going to take Lou out for a, a little short hunt. 
and I had this little field of CRP. It was private ground that a guy had told me I could hunt whenever I wanted to. And I thought, yeah, rather than going by myself, I'll just call him and see if he wants to go along. So I did. And of course, he was very eager to go. Right. <laughs> <laughs> have to ask twice. And so he jumped in the truck and we drove to the field. And, and you know, and I got to thinking, yeah, you know, this, this CRP feels pretty gnarly. I mean, it's, it can be tough to get through for me. And I'm thinking, She's 80-some years old. And so I thought, hey, I know. Well, uh, this would be what I do. So I told him, I said, here's what I want. He said, I'm going to stop the truck right here, and I'll get the dogs out. And I said, you take my truck, and you go around this the, the field here to this first road, and you go up, and there's a turn-in halfway in the field. And uh, I said, you can see it up there. And I pointed it out. And I said, you pull the truck in there. And I'm going to wait here with the dogs. When I see you get out and that you're ready with your gun, I'll start pushing through this field with the dogs. Wow. And I knew that from hunting this field before that the birds always run. They, the, the pheasants, will, they want to run, and then they'll fly out of, out of gun range. And then when you're by yourself, you're just, you know, basically, uh, you're very lucky if you get a bird to set tight right. in this particular field. And I don't know why. I hadn't. And, and I knew these birds were very cagey, so I thought, okay, uh, now I got a guy up there that'll be kind of block them, and, and maybe, and maybe you know, I was thinking that maybe at least he'll get a shot this way because I probably he probably won't get a shot otherwise. So anyway, I suggested to him my plan and uh, kind of insulted him. Wow, yeah. And when I told him what I wanted him to do, he said, "I don't think I want to do that." And he <laughs> said it in kind of a kind of a gruff manner. <laughs> right. <laughs> he did not want to like, do it. He caught me by surprise, and I kind of went, well, excuse me? And he said, well, wait. He said, if I do that, he said, I won't be able to see your dog's work. And mm. he said, for me, it's all about watching the dog's work. Right. It wasn't about standing up there where he might get a shot at a bird or, you know, or blocking or whatever. He wanted to be in a position where the dogs were working out in front of him. And I thought, you know what? Uh, I get it. Right. I get it now. And so that's been many years ago, and I still remember that uh, that uh, that comment. And so I often uh, use that to emphasize for me now, and, you know, years later, I'm, I mean, I feel more like he did now. It's about the dogs. Mm -hmm. I want to see the dogs work. Mm -hmm. And I have to say most of my clients are the same way. They want to see those setters working out in front. They want to see Sweet Lou and what he does and Adeline. And uh, they have no interest in being down at the end of the field mm -hmm. where, not, where they can't see anything. And maybe, you know, they hear a few whistles and a few beeps of a collar and a bird flies over. Right. Most of our clients, the, uh, the satisfaction comes from seeing the dog work as well. So Right. Right. Uh, but, uh, yeah, but yeah, he, 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 he kind of took, he kind of got my attention. An 80 some year old man that tells you, no, I'm going to be out there with you. Way, I wasn't going to argue with the man either. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I, 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 I totally understand. I, I, I told him one time, I said, man, I said, if I would have, I said, I, I didn't know, uh, I didn't know how uh, how indignant you were going to get. Right. I would have just said, "No, I'm really going to insist that you go <laughs> the truck." I, yeah, but we laugh about it now. But it's a good point that, and yeah. I, like I said, I use that a lot to emphasize uh, where you are in your life cycle. You know, the older you get, the more you know. Like you said earlier, you know, that it's not about limits. It's not about how many birds you kill. It's about the experience. Right. About being out there with your buddy or with somebody that like like him that had been in the field years and years and years and hadn't been for a while and, and just seeing his satisfaction and how much fun he had. Right. I mean, he had fun just crashing through this stuff and, you know, and getting couple birds all over him. And yeah, that for him, that was, that was enough. You know, mm -hmm. he, he got out of the house. He got to probably, uh, and actually he did get a shot. He, he had a, he had a nice opportunity. <laughs> Right. And, and threw a shot at a bird. Unfortunately, he was kind of behind it and missed it. But, you know, it's like he said, well, you know, I got to throw some lead. And mm -hmm. he said, that's some days that's uh, all you can ask for. Mm -hmm. And so uh, it was it was just a cool, cool experience looking back on it now. Well, and I, I think it's important to to realize that and capitalize on it, because, you know, you don't do all of that training just to produce a, a, a shot bird. But. No, you really develop a bond with your dog. You develop the communication, and that's the part that is 
you know, the most interesting. You're communicating with an animal that doesn't speak English, that doesn't do anything, um, and y'all are being efficient about it. And it's a mannerable hunt. I mean, especially with setters. Setters are known for being very, very elegant dogs in the field. Who wouldn't want to see that? It's like going to a museum for me, you know. Um, so just going forward, we gave well, Lou. Well, there might be some GSP guys around here that would uh, <laughs> may, not, well, may not agree with that. Well, to, look, and I'm, I'm going to say it on the podcast. on on uh, To all of my GSP <laughs> friends with your dogs with no tails. <laughs> God bless him. Right, God bless you. There's no tail on that dog. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, well, of course, you know, I, uh, I as they would as they would argue back to me. Well, while, while we're in there having a cold beer, you're out there uh, combing uh, cockleburs out of your dog's tail, and that's true. And that's fine. That's fine. <laughs> guilty, guilty as charged. <laughs> but but uh, hey, look, you know, some of us are, are willing. Some of us are willing to, you know. Uh, do that just before the experience and I guess I'm one of them. I just accept the fact that I'm going to have a little more maintenance. Hey, and, <laughs> and that's... Guys with dogs that don't have tails. Hey, look, and, and you sign up for it and that's what it is. And and to talk about yeah. just having those dogs, we didn't give any, yeah. we didn't give Adeline any kind of, any kind of love. So talk about Adeline oh, and sure. her story. Yeah. Well, you know, um, Lou's Lou and, you know, he's kind of a, He's kind of the uh, the big shot uh, mm-hmm. and has been, but um, a few years back, you know, we I had one dog and I was borrowing a dog to guide with a lot of times, and I finally said, you know, I'd like to get a second dog, and maybe if I get a, the the right female dog, maybe we could breed a litter, and you know, we could have some sweet loop pups, mm-hmm. kind of carry on some of his line and that kind of thing, and so that's what Adeline kind of in the picture. And, I, for whatever reason, I kind of had a, a soft spot for a tricolor, and I mm-hmm. and I found her, and she had the the, uh, the spot on one side of her face, and she had lots of uh, uh, brown markings on her leg, and I just thought she was a kind of a cool looking dog, and she came from a grouse line of dogs out of West Virginia, and uh, nice, and she has them, she has them, she's out of a Ryman line of dogs, which typically are a little bigger, they stand a little taller for the most part, mm-hmm. and I was kind of looking for that size, I thought, well, you know, maybe if we breed some dogs, I kind of like lose size, so I was just kind of thinking, well, if I could get a 60-pound, 65-pound male, that'd be kind of what I, what I was shooting for, and so I got her. And as it turned out, you know, she, she wasn't as big as I thought she was going to gonna mm-hmm. be, but uh, she hunts at about 45 pounds probably on a good day. Okay. Uh, but uh, she's been terrific. Um, you know, she's uh, got a real methodical kind of a medium range kind of style. But, um, you know, if clients want to see dogs work, they get to see her because she's a, she, she's She's pretty much up close and personal a lot of the times, and uh, but she's got a she's just got a fantastic nose, and uh, I'd never tell Lou this, but I think <laughs> her nose might be just a little bit better than his. Really? Days. Yeah. Well. Yeah. I really. Uh, yeah. I believe that. I, I mean, I've seen windy, windy days when she's come in. To, Lou's gone on point, and she's come in to honor him, and when she when she honors him from. You know, about 15 feet away, she'll just, she'll lock up, but she turns her head to the left or right and kind of signaling to me, yeah, the bird's over here, gentlemen. Wow. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's close, but bird's over here. Wow, <laughs> and, and that's so, wild. And we flush me. birds, you know, that way where, where, you know, we would have flushed the bird by walking in there on, on, on Lou's point, but I just on a swirly day when the wind is, is difficult, I've seen her hit some pretty impressive points, but... But my, and uh, you know the point I'm making is that her nose is, is really good, and I think you know that was what we were looking to to transfer to the to the pup. She's mm-hmm. always she's also been just one of the best honoring backing dogs I've ever had. I mean, she's just a natural backing dog. Never had to never had to train it. Never had she just did it from the very beginning. Now, granted, earlier in her career, she had a lot of practice backing Lou. Right. She she did that almost all day long because right. he was he had a he had a little uh, deeper range, and typically he was on the bird contact, and, and you know, and she was following up uh, on her and him. But uh, but yeah, she's uh, she's been a good one. She's uh, she's lots of fun. This year, she just turned seven, or she will be turning seven. But I tell you, she's had the best season 
she's ever had. She has just really uh, turned it on. I don't know what to attribute that to, other than, you know, Lou has been off the field a few, little more than usual, and mm-hmm. so one of the young dogs has been kind of on the ground while I'm kind of giving him a break, and mm-hmm. so I don't know if she's just kind of, you know, taking the, taking the team on her shoulders, and now she's retrieving her own birds and birds that maybe she would never got a chance to because Lou was on the ground. I don't know, but uh, right. But yeah, she's been a good one. She's a great house dog, great family dog, and and she's like the other setters when she gets in the field. It seems like the switch flips, and and she's pretty much all business from from, from there on. But uh, we had one litter of pups with her and Lou uh, a couple of years ago, and she was she was great great mother. We we hope to have one more litter. And then retire her uh, maybe this spring yet. Okay. Uh, we'll see. But, um, okay. Yeah, she's a good one, and we have lots of fun with her. And, you know, the way she kind of has been our go-to-the-show kind of dog just because of her her looks. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the people are really taken and smitten with uh, uh, her tri-collar markings and that kind of thing. And her disposition is she's just perfect with kids. Right. And people pat her, and you know, you never have to worry. She just, she's really laid back, and so from that standpoint, she's she's perfect for that for right. that job. Right, and and I mean that's that's definitely all. Now, Lou and Adeline are two different dogs, just as far as hunting patterns. And now you've got Duchess and you've got Major, right? <laughs> right. So, and and both of those took on the traits of mom and dad. <laughs> so talk about that a little, because yeah, that came yeah, out kind of funny yeah. too. Yeah. Well, it's kind of interesting because um, uh, they, the uh, Duchess, who's kind of small, she was a runner to litter, and mm-hmm. and my wife took a fancy to her, and she's got a hat mask, so she's got one black side of her face is black, and the other side, if you look at her from the other side, she looks like Lou. Wow. Uh, she's real dainty, kind of small, small bone, but she is quicker than lightning, and she shows that field trial line. Uh, when she's hunting, she's got a 12 o'clock tail straight up. Yeah. Like Lou's was when he was that age, and she's all business, and she's just she's just a bird fanatic. So that's all the only way I can describe it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then you got Major, who is bigger. I mean, he's like 65 pounds. Good. That's a big dog. Uh, stands taller than Lou. He's a big boy. Yeah. Uh, but he really has the hunting style of his mother, uh, which is kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. His style's a little more closer and a little more medium. Uh, not that he won't push out sometimes, because he will, but uh, his tail set is more like hers at about a 45-degree angle, and uh, and his disposition is much more like hers than, than, than dad. So it's really interesting that you get, you know, out of the litter, you kind of get, get a blend of of, of, of mom and, and, and dad. So, mm-hmm. uh, But we've got one of each, apparently. <laughs> I mean, I, and I think that's awesome. I mean, well, the good thing is, as your dog, as your first two dogs are getting older, you've got a follow up that I mean, you really don't have to do a whole lot of uh, algebra <laughs> to figure out. No, that's true. Yeah, yeah that's true. Uh, you know, they both now they both it appears got their mother's nose too, and they're both great backing dogs. So mm-hmm. they're they're really good at mm-hmm. at uh, you know honoring each other and that kind of thing. Not just. Uh, occasionally we'll try to sneak a sneak a point you know and steal Major's point if she can get away with it she kind of uh, her dad was a little bit like that he always wanted to be the I want to be the guy on the bird and so we've had to uh, work with that a few times but uh, but she does it in a way which is kind of sneaky so she kind of doesn't do it where it's just so blatant right you just have to really pay attention and you kind of see that little you know, step here, a step there. Just I gotta get a little bit closer. Mm-hmm. And, and then when you, if it's a running bird, and you relocate the dogs, you know, she's like dad. She motors right by the the, the original pointing dog, and now she's on the on the bird, right? Right. <laughs> wow. So, uh, yeah. So she's so she mimics dad a little bit that way. But, mm-hmm. uh, but yeah, I think we're pretty. I think we're pretty good shape. Um, you know, Adeline obviously is showing no signs of really wearing down. I'm sure we've got a few several good seasons left with her. You know, Lou, for his age, is still hunting great. Right. I mean, people can't believe when I tell him he's almost 11 years old, they can't believe it. But, that's a, that's uh, a but I just, I can thing. pick and choose when I really want to hunt him, you mm-hmm. know, and that's kind of nice. Right. Okay, guys. I hope you all enjoyed that first part of the episode. That is actually part one. Um, 
This episode with Wade actually got split in two because it was such a good conversation that we ended up running in about two hours close. So, if y'all don't mind, stay tuned. Go ahead and click on the next episode. Um, I'll have uploaded it by then. And uh, enjoy it. I hope y'all really, really took something away from this first one. And the second one only gets better. Stay tuned.